podcast is a proud member of the CypherCast Network. Discover more at CypherCast.net and follow us on Twitter at CypherCastNet. Welcome to Incantations, an Invisible Sun podcast. I'm Scott. And I'm Dave. And we'll be your guides along the path of suns. Today we sing one spell. With The Gaze Turns Inward to See Real Beauty, we discuss the Order of Weavers. Join us on the path of suns and we may uncover a secret or two. When we cast The Gaze Turns Inward to See Real Beauty, we talk about the various character options in Invisible Sun. This time we're going to talk about the Order of Weavers and focus on the mechanics of weaving magic. Weavers, as you recall, are spontaneous casters. So whereas Vances have specific spells that they select and uh, remember and possibly retain through their spellcasting operations and Goetic's summon, Weavers will spontaneously create spell effects uh, as they play the game, uh, possibly to handle unique situations in unique ways. There are not a, a list of options for them. Instead, then they create their spells as they go along. Though it, it won't necessarily be entirely spontaneous because you might have uh, what in other games are called recipes emerge because uh, casters will might rely upon similar effects at various points in time and will just become used to what those effects cost and how to put those spells together. But they are not constrained within the game itself to a list of particular spells. As a result, weaving magic consists mostly of a process of constructing spells. And we'll talk about that construction process uh, in this segment. The process itself is constrained in an important way. And what I think is in, in, uh, maybe the most important way uh, is that these uh, weaving is limited by what are called the absences of a character's chosen specialties called absence or called uh, uh, aggregates. So the focus of a weaver will have to be as much on what they're not allowed to do as what they are allowed to do. Because as you will see, many of the allowances are very broad and the entire process is open to uh, interpretation. Uh, in fact, I will say that this whole process will be subjective and will involve negotiations between players and GMs over uh, both what the limits and uh, abilities are for weaving magic uh, and the costs for different spells. So if, if you don't want to be, if you don't have uncertainty about these aspects of your spellcasting, you might want to consider other more tightly defined spellcasters. If, on the other hand, that process sounds interesting to you and the opportunity to create your own new spell effects is enticing, then the weavers may be uh, just the place you want to look for creating a character. So we can start with the mechanics of weaving. Uh, Characters will choose two or more aggregates that they have previously chosen as part of character creation. Uh, for example, uh, these may be somewhat uh, kind of obvious aggregates that are uh, similar to types of spells we see in other games, like fire. Or they may be abstract or conceptual aggregates, like hate. Uh, Dave, do you have a, a, an aggregate that uh, stood out to you? That was either interesting or confusing uh, or stood out in any other way? 
Uh, if you give me a second, I'm going to grab my aggregates. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, by the way, uh, one tool in the, uh, the, the black cube to help uh, weavers are that each of the aggregates has a card that will describe all of their char- the aggregates characteristics, uh, limitations and the like. Uh, so I think the, the ones that stood out to me uh, having done the Gen Con adventure and having run a few sessions at the table now, um, like freedom is really interesting. Uh, alleyways is one that hasn't come up, but that, that, that would be an interesting one to see. Um, but I think I'm looking for it right now. There was another one that was an abstract concept that infinity infinity, I think is a pretty interesting one. And it's important to note that when you're shopping for aggregates, the, the title of the aggregate is really not enough information to necessarily tell you what you're going to do because, um, some, especially with the more conceptual and abstract aggregates, it really takes understanding the more specific qualities of the aggregate uh, to see what the scope of the aggregate really is. And we'll get back to the qualities in just a moment. But you, t- you, you your characters will choose two or more aggregates uh, to weave together. Uh, advanced characters will have more options to choose from. I believe starting characters only have two aggregates, so they're mm-hmm. always going to be using the same two. Uh, but as they, those characters advance, they get three, four, and I think maybe five aggregates eventually. And so at any given time, they may only choose some of those to use. When you, com- when you uh, are casting your weaving, you choose a specific quality from each aggregate. And this is where I, I want to go back to emphasizing that a title like Infinity is probably pretty vague. And you may be asking yourself, well, what does it mean to cast a spell related to Infinity? Well, this Infinity is defined by its qualities. Uh, So it includes the qualities of space, size, capacity, duration, movement, other universes, and mental damage. So you choose one of those qualities to combine with a quality from the other paired aggregate. The example I'll I'll kind of continue for this uh, segment, uh, we'll use the same aggregates I introduced initially, fire and hate. Yeah, I was going to say, let's, let's keep it to something that's a little bit easier to come up with examples for. Yes. So I've got a, a running example. So the, the, we're choosing the aggregate of fire and hate. Choosing one quality from each. Fire, one of the qualities is damage. We're pretty familiar with that with an RPGs. And with hate, the uh, quality I chose was pursuit. So this will be a spell that causes damage and has some element of pursuit uh, involved in it. Having chosen your qualities, it's important to review the absences of each of these aggregates because you cannot have an effect related to either of the aggregates' absences. So for fire, this spell effect could not include elements like water, cold, or building. And for hate, the uh, the spell effect could not include charm, romance, or health. These will turn out to be relatively easy to combine because Mm -hmm. uh, damage and health are directly opposite anyway. Uh, We can choose not to have a water or a cold effect and and, and ignore that that aggregate if if we're actually going to use fire for our uh, fire weaving. But we do have to make sure that we are not treading onto uh, territory that is included in an aggregate's absence. Uh, In some of the aggregates, this is uh, more uh, obvious than in others. So I think, for instance, uh, with the aggregate of thunder, 
One of the absences is subtlety. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, and similarly, stealth. So you can't do anything quiet or subtle uh, with a, in, including a thunder uh, aggregate. But combining these, uh, fire and hate will be pretty easy. So you were saying you're going to use the qualities of damage and pursuit. How do you? Yes. How are you going to roll those together to create some sort of effect? The effect I will go for is to create a uh, a small homing fireball. Okay, um, so a homing fireball, a small homing fireball. What are you? What are you expecting the homing part to do for your spell? What are you? What are you trying to do with that? I'm going to create a small fire wasp. It's not really an elemental. It's just in the shape of a, it's fire in the shape of a wasp that once mm -hmm. I kind of open my hands and release this fire wasp, it is intended to uh, uh, kind of hunt down um, and strike a, uh, a target. We'll say within a uh, short distance. Okay. Well, uh, we're going to be talking about ranges and stuff too, then. Um, yes. How much damage are you looking to do with this? Because that's where we're going to get into determining what the level of effect is going to be. Well, yeah, these oh, we, we'll, we'll get there. <laughs> Am I jumping ahead? <laughs> jumping ahead a little bit. So we have an idea of what a spell will do. Okay. Uh, how it combines fire and hate. Uh, this does not seem this this fire wasp homing fire wasp doesn't inter doesn't connect to any of the aggregate's absences. So we seem to be clear there. Now we do have to start building the um, level of the effect. Uh, the first part of that is to figure out the range and duration. Each of the aggregates has a default range and duration. So we look at our aggregates first. If they match, we use whatever that matching duration and range is. If they don't match, we use the more generous of the range and duration of whichever aggregate has more of, of one of those. So consider this example. We're, 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 putting, we're combining fire and hate. Fire has a duration of one round and a, uh, uh, a range of near. Uh, hate has a duration of short with a, uh, a range of touch. So uh, combining those, we actually have a duration of short and an effect of, of uh, uh, a duration of short and a, a range of near mm -hmm. as our uh, default range and duration for this combination of aggregates. We can buy that up if we want. Uh, if we want to cast a spell and have it affect someone who's uh, farther away, we can spend an extra point to increase the range by one category. Uh, right. And you had stated you wanted it to be a, a short range, which is a step up from near, correct? Right. So it's going to cost us one additional point to get that range. Okay. Uh, then we define the effect. So right now, just think of it as a plus one. Mm -hmm. Then we define the effect, including paying for increases in range and duration which will define the cost. Now for direct damaging spell that doesn't have any other side effects, like this is just intended to zap people for, for damage. The level is basically the damage it's intended to do. So if we want to do four points of damage, it's a level four spell plus one, because we want to get the range on it. 
So if if that's what you're shooting for, I guess my question, if I were your GM, would be where does the pursuit quality actually come into play here? Uh, it's more thematic than mechanic. Okay. And would you want to pursue? Ugh, great. Uh, would you want to follow up on that pursuit quality to be more than just thematic? Uh, perhaps, like, would you want it to have some sort of duration that it, or not a duration, but maybe have an accuracy bonus from that? Is that something that might come into play, or I think I think that would be a a fun way to to emphasize the pursuit component. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it will complicate it complicates the definition of the uh, cost, um, yeah, which we, we can do as an exercise. Well, so the the default cost is going to be four for the damage and one for the range. Yeah. So you're right now. You've got a level five spell, right? I think we could say, I think it would be fair to say this, this, if the homing effect is going to make it one step harder for the, uh, uh or I should say one step more accurate, uh, than would otherwise be the case, then that would just increase the cost by one. But if you do that, why wouldn't you just cast a more damaging spell, which increases the level by one and gets you the same effect essentially? Because you're, you're trading off damage for precision. However, you're casting a spell, and this is going to add its level to the venture that you're going to be rolling on. Oh, uh, that that is true. Um, I guess it depends on if you're if you're fighting a creature that is higher level than five, then you're trading off precision for uh, uh, for power. If you are casting a spell, you're automatically going to hit anyway because they that creature is a level four creature. Let's say. Mm-hmm. Then you're probably better off just spending the money on, or spending spending the points on uh, the damage, and not worrying about precision because you're 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 going to hit because of your uh, addition of the spell's level to your uh, venture for purposes of of casting and striking with the spell. Sure. Yeah. Um, I'm just not sure why you would like. This is one of the things I, I kind of got caught up with in the. Uh, playtest. It was like, all right, I can increase how much damage I'm doing, and that just makes my spell more effective in multiple ways. It does more damage, and it's more accurate. Yes. So I don't, I don't know if there would be any reason to use pursuit to make this thing hit better, unless you made it, unless you had a negotiation and said, I want to cast this for, you know, three damage, but with using pursuit and creating this wasp, can I have it? like boost the accuracy by two without getting extra damage out of it. Like, I think I might look at something like that as a GM. I would probably lean the same direction. So the, the typical way to adjudicate the cost of the spell is to look at the uh, tables in the, uh, is this, uh, is this the key? Yeah, this is, oh, yeah. Um, no, uh, there, I don't remember where the tables are exactly, but there are effects by level. Uh, there is a handout in the GM's folder. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's... A, I think it might be in the gate. I don't believe it's in the way. It might be the and gate. I'm, and it's probably... It's certainly not in the path. So it's either the key or the uh, the gate. Right, we could look um, this up. <laughs> uh, but it, it describes spell levels for anything, which is actually very useful across not just weavers, but really any situation. The, one of the limitations of the table is that it describes singular effects. 
to give you some examples, a level one effect includes moving up to one pound once. Mm-hmm. So moving a book across a room, uh, harm an object up to one pound, inflict one damage, create a visual illusion the size of a handheld object. These singular descriptions are less useful when you're trying to combine effects like blast you with fire and and also hunt you down with the pursuit aggregate. So when you're combining effects, it's kind of hard to figure out, does that just increase it by one? Uh, you know, you, you, that, that's where negotiation is unavoidable in this process. Yeah, uh, to give and I you think some the sense. context in that might help it make more sense. Uh, if you're trying to avoid mass destruction, then maybe you would say yes. I'm weaving pursuit and damage so that I can fire the spell and have it get around, you know, this priceless statue that I'm trying to avoid damaging. That's a that's an excellent idea. And it's and a good illustration of how weaving magic uh, really shines is because it lets you adapt to circumstances, sometimes in narratively important but mechanically simple ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, it's all full. It's full of flavor. So to give you some sense of what the, the uh, top end of the scale looks like, level 17 spells, their effects include enslaving the minds of thousands of people permanently. <laughs> uh, grant 12 points of armor. <laughs> inflict 40 damage. <laughs> yes, inflict 40 damage or 20 over an entire small area. Making a note of how much damage gets inflicted by a level 14 effect. Uh, not for any reason in particular, especially if my oh. players are listening. You you wanted the answer for 14? Uh, 25 damage. Yes. Uh, incidentally, uh, up to 10, the scales one damage for one spell level. But above 10, it starts to ramp up a little bit, mm-hmm. which is how level 17 inflicts 40 points of damage. That being said... Uh, when in doubt, I think it is more powerful to enslave the minds of thousands of people permanently than it is to do 40 points of damage, which is the equivalent of hitting them four, uh, 10 times with a medium weapon. Um, so at level 15, you can create life. <laughs> uh, 15. And control it. Yep. Fun. <laughs> so the the, uh, the the spell level list include some very dramatic high-level effects. But to get back to our example, we have uh, woven fire and hate using the qualities of damage and pursuit to create a small uh, fire wasp that will uh, avoid all of the precious art in the gallery and strike our target at a um, a short range. Uh, This is going to cost us four points of spell level for the damage, plus one for the extended range. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's going to be, it's going to be a fifth level spell, which means it's not only going to cost us five sorcery to cast the spell. Uh, it's going to add five to the venture of that particular action. Uh, once we have that all figured out, we also try to figure out the, a col- the color associated with the spell. Um, this one's easy. Yeah, this one is pretty easy. This is a destructive spell and it's made of fire. So red is a pretty easy call. Uh, but you'll need to familiarize yourself with all of the colors to figure out other cases where blue might be more import- more relevant than uh, silver or something along those lines uh, based on the spell effects. This is important because it will. Th- this means the spells can be affected by other uh, elements of the game that focus on spell colors. Mm-hmm. 
And while it's easy to identify that with Vance spells or general spells because they say the color of the spell on the card, the player and GM will have to just sort of figure this out every time uh, that you use a particular spell effect. Though I suspect that people will tend to gravitate towards a small number of color associations because the aggregates will direct them uh, in one direction or another towards um, you know damaging uh, or mental effects or things like that. The chapter in The Way concludes uh, with several examples to illustrate combinations uh, of, of aggregates to accomplish fairly common spell effects. Uh, maybe the most useful part of this is it includes a discussion of the thought process of how the aggregates are combined um, and how the spell level is determined based upon the spell effect. So you, you have, uh, I think it's six or seven, let's see. Five, you have five examples uh, that, that walk you through the process uh, of creating a uh, spell effect for a weaver. I strongly recommend reading through all, all of the examples, and in particular, the notes uh, that detail the, the uh, thought process that goes into defining level. The, the section concludes with some general advice. Uh, maybe most interestingly, uh, when in doubt, the book recommends, err on the side of a high cost. That is, if you're not quite sure whether it's a four or five, usually round up to uh, or lean towards the higher value because uh, especially weavers eventually get secrets that reduce costs across the board. And given the amount of flexibility that they have, uh, th their spells tend to be quite influential in encounters. Yeah, they the weavers that I've seen in play, they, they tend to fire off one or two spells and then they have to refresh their pool. Right. Uh, but those spells are tailored to the particular challenge mm. at hand uh, and therefore uh, tend to be quite useful. And always remember that the process of defining skill level and, and, and spell effect is a negotiation between the player and the GM. Uh, and so that's going to be unavoidable in this process. Uh, you may reach agreements that are useful to reference in the future so that once we cast this we, this fire wasp spell, we know whatever we've decided this time will apply in the future. But uh, you will often be coming up with entirely new uh, spell effects. I mean, that's kind of the appeal of the Weaver after all. And each of those will be a bit of a negotiation. Uh, though uh, in my experience over time, these negotiations become simpler and simpler. Yeah, uh, running a weaver is pretty fun. Uh, I've I've enjoyed I've enjoyed the weavers, uh, both playing them and running them. It's cool, cool class. It's it is fun, um, and it's it is a distinct spellcasting system, just like the Maker's Matrix is entirely unique to Makers, uh, and the Vance Memory system is different from everybody else. Each each of the orders has a system of magic that is distinct from the others. This one emphasizes creativity. Uh, players that really like the idea of coming up with novel visualizations and novel uh, spell effects as kind of a puzzle solving exercise will find the weavers to be an attractive uh, uh, order. Those who long for the days of Mage the Ascension and Mage the Awakening uh, will, find, will, will see the similarities in this system to those games and might uh, uh, enjoy uh, this particular spellcasting spell system as a throwback to those games. Um, there's, there's a lot of attraction. I, I, it might be that Weavers have been 
the most frequently represented order in my games. I think that is true. Uh, like the most, basically the most popular of the orders in my games. Um, I don't have any data beyond my own groups, but uh, have you had any groups that did not have a weaver? Uh, not as of yet, no. Because yeah, I've had groups with no makers and no uh, uh, vances, but I've never had no weavers. Uh, so do you have a favorite aggregate at this point? Um, I really don't. I mean, I'm really intrigued by alleyways, as you mentioned. Alleyways, um, it's kind of hard to figure out if you just read the title. But it includes a lot of, of kind of urban effects. So it includes qualities like poverty, filth, whispers, stealth, and the like. There's more to it. Mm -hmm. I don't want to read off the whole thing in the book. Uh, its absences are nobility, um, uh, prestige, and things like that. So it's really interesting thematic aggregate to play with um, and could be fun for someone interested in, in, in those in a campaign that has those sorts of elements. I'm wondering if we'll see more aggregates in the future. Yeah, I was wondering the same thing. Like It would be easy to just drop aggregates in. Um, so maybe we'll get something with Book M or The Silent Streets. I don't remember if there are going to be cards with that, but there are cards coming with Book M that I'm not sure if it was going to be anything other than ephemera and general spells. Yep, we'll, we'll, we'll see. I don't believe there have been any announcements that would clarify exactly where the components are spread across the various possible uh, uses for those components in the game. Uh, yep. But there's a there's a pretty broad choice of aggregates in the base game. So you've got a lot to play with. You don't have to worry about having a shortage. Mm -hmm. uh, I would find it challenging, but not necessarily prohibitively so, to house rule new aggregates. All you would need to do is define kind of the theme, the default duration and range, the you know, uh, six qualities and three absences. So it looks like it'd be pretty simple to create new aggregates, but getting they're hard to get right. Uh, and get balance isn't really the word I'm looking for, but um, having them distinct um, and yet uh, just the right level of restraining to, to uh, force weavers to think about the mixture of qualities and the respect for absences is going to be hard to accomplish. But it could be done. And it's it, there will be, I'm sure there will be tables where people house rule in their own aggregates. Yeah, that'd be cool. I, I'm, I'm going to have to start thinking about what sort of aggregates I want to see out there. Uh, briefly, I do also want to mention that there's uh, weavers are a bit different than some of the other orders in that their spontaneous nature uh, predisposes them to certain personality characteristics as well. Uh, so they have no starting connection to the order of weavers, uh, unlike some of the other uh, orders, like uh, Vance's and, and uh, Makers in particular, I believe, start out with some connection to the order of Vance's and, and uh, Makers, respectively. Weavers are assumed to be less organized as an order and thus uh, typically communicate uh, or teach weaving magic in a sort of uh, mentor-mentee relationship that's much more individualized and less formalized. Uh, that may again point players towards orders that, that where they think that's an interesting story, or uh, or are, tell them to avoid if they really want to tell stories about the inner politics of an order. The weavers will be a harder order to tell an inner politics story. 
the Weavers being a, a loose collection of people kind of, I found it to be useful to just drop characters in that are part of a Weaver organization uh, and just say like, yeah, you, you know, this person they're they're a Weaver. They're in a cell that you've seen around. So it's easy to just slot characters in with them. Have you had any other uh, reactions to weavers in your game or any other advice for people either playing or running games in which there are weavers? Make sure you don't take aggregates that have absences that cancel out the qualities that you really want to use in the other aggregate. Um, (laughs) So if you have an aggregate with a quality of understanding and you take another aggregate with an absence of understanding, that's going to really limit the, you know, choices that you have with those aggregates. So try and avoid that. Yeah, there was a problem along these lines in the Gen Con uh, uh, demo, but I don't remember exactly what it was. It was that. <laughs> oh, it was understanding? Okay. Yeah, it was yeah. understanding. Um, and every time I had a weaver try and cast something to understand what was going on, I, I said, all right, we're going to do this. We're just ignoring these absences because like, you, you really didn't have a choice on these aggregates. So let's do it. Was it challenge at infinity? I think that's what the, I think those were the two. Um, Another bit of advice would be um, if you're, you're just stepping into this and you're unsure about how hard it's going to be to uh, come up with spell effects. um, Don't take two abstract concepts, go with something that's a little bit more straightforward, like fire and hate. That is a great combination. You can easily come up with spells uh, based on that. Uh, But when you, when you have two abstract concepts, you're going to have a much higher obstacle to get over to really put those things to use. Yeah, my advice is similar to choose one concrete and rel- these are all relative terms, mm-hmm. one relatively concrete and one relatively abstract uh, aggregate uh, if you want to really play with the system. And so fire and infinity means you could basically have big fire. Um, so you might want to choose between fire and thunder and wind and things and and even winter, um, which where where you have an easy time imagining what those aggregates do. But then if you really want to play with a system, uh, pair that with something that isn't quite as obvious, like, uh, challenge and infinity and freedom or moonlight or something along those lines. Uh, but yeah, watch for absences that cancel out qualities. Uh, in your other aggregate, especially when you only have two at the beginning of the of your character's uh, time as a weaver. I would also recommend avoiding two abstract uh, 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 aggregates. Uh, but I think having one of the two being abstract is kind of fun to play with. But if you don't want to really mess with that just yet, and you want, want to kind of grow to that, and you'd rather start with uh, more clear uh, aggregates, for, uh, to weave together, then you might want to stick with, you know, something that is, uh, you know, two aggregates that are easier to imagine. Though, again, you wouldn't want to find, wouldn't want fire and winter, um, but winter and tower uh, might be easy to combine. Wind and the woods, you know, there's there's some that combinations that are, that are a little more obvious uh, if you want to go that direction. Though I, I have a, an inkling that the people who are most likely to play weavers are the ones who most like the challenge of combining winter with uh, infinity or hate. <laughs> they want to combine the concrete with the abstract. Yeah, and there, there's some appeal to that. 
in the end. It's a negoti- It's always a negotiation, and it's always a choice that the players have to make uh, about the creation of their characters. And uh, this game does accommodate a lot of options and approaches to, bo- to building characters and the role the characters will have uh, in the game itself. This ends our walk. Maybe you discovered something today. Maybe you need to look closer. The music was titled Beyond from Wes Otis and Plate Mail Games. It is available from DriveThruRPG. Invisible Sun is the intellectual property of Monty Cook Games. You can find a link to their website in the show notes. You can find our blog at incantationspodcast.blogspot.com or email us at incantationspodcast at gmail.com. You can find me at Agonseer, that's at A-G-O-N-S-E-E-R, on Twitter. And you can find me at Tex underscore Red on Twitter. So please leave us a rating and a review on iTunes uh, or whichever uh, podcast app you are using. Uh, It really helps us out. Uh, We also like seeing ratings and reviews, whether they're good or bad. Uh, or else just tell a friend about the show. That's another great way to get the word out and ha- help people find us.